Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everybody and welcome to the Squiggly Career Podcast from Amazing If. And if you are one of the 12,000 people that listened to our first series on confidence, welcome back. I'm Helen Tuffer and I'm here with Sarah Ellis. Hi, everybody. And we started Amazing If back in 2013 because we recognised that our own careers were becoming much more squiggly. Um, and we know that squiggly is a bit of a funny term to use in the context of your career. So maybe, um, Sarah, if I ask you, what does having a squiggly career actually mean to you? I think it's just that everything at work is becoming harder to predict and there's so much more change than there used to be not even just in your career generally but even like the last three jobs I've had didn't exist before I had them Mm. so I used to have this perfectly prepared career plan (laughs) where I you know could name the job title that I was hoping to get in the future whereas now that just feels really unrealistic so there's lots more change I think some of that happens to us and some of it we are in control of and it just feels like we're in a really different world of work now so 10 years ago, I went to work in a big corporate organisation. I'd got one job and that was it. That was my whole of my work life. And now, you know, 15 years on, I've got three different jobs. I do them all part time (laughs) and everything just feels really squiggly. It just feels like the right words to describe my career. And I think the careers of lots of people that we talk to. And I think sometimes lots of squiggliness it doesn't always, but I do think you need a bit of confidence sometimes. So to manage, yeah. to feel like all that stuff is happening to you, some of which you're in control of, some of which you're not, and that you can navigate it happily, I think takes you to uh, know what you're great at and know people who can help you and maybe have some idea of where you want to go, even if it's not the exact destination, sort of the direction yeah. you want to go in. And so if you've got all that, squiggliness, I think, can feel quite exciting because there's loads of opportunities and you're you know you're juggling three part-time jobs all all that great stuff but I think maybe if you've not got that stuff it can feel a bit scary a bit daunting sometimes you can feel maybe a bit lost in that squiggle and that's very much I think the insight that we started with in terms of this podcast and really a lot of what Amazing If is about about helping people to have happy careers and and in our squiggly career podcast what we want to do is give people the the tools and share our experiences and some of the things that we've learned so that you can maybe be a bit more confident about that squiggle and what it looks like for you. Yeah, and I think that's where it's so important that you tell us what you want us to cover yeah. in terms of which areas, which topics. So we're going to go for, you know, lots of the classics. Um, we'll be talking about, you know, mentoring, time management, all the sorts of things that you'd expect from uh, a squiggly careers, 
uh, podcast. But if there are things that you feel are really important to learn about at the moment in your career, where you want some advice, you want some tools, you want some techniques, you want to hear our stories of uh, potentially success, but probably just as likely failure, please do let us know. Just tweet us at amazing underscore if, and we will do our best over the next year to cover everything that you get in touch and talk to us about in some way, shape or form. So today then, we are going to be talking about something that we we know is relevant to everybody at some point in their career, and it's probably relevant to some of you who are listening right now, and that is how to find a new job. It's actually a really, really big topic. It's everything from, you know, what does your CV look like, and how do you show up in interviews? So we know we're going to come back to this at some point in the future. But today, we thought we'd share a couple of our own new job experiences And then sort of tell you a few top tips and then we'll finish up with some resources that we think can really help you when you're going about the job search process. So I think let's let's dive in. Sarah, I think in the last year, I was having to think this morning, I think in the last 10 years, we've had probably over about 15 new jobs between us. Right, Um, Okay. I'm not sure that sounds like too many, doesn't it? (laughs) It does sound like quite a lot, but then two people, 10 years, probably not, that's like sort of seven and a half each. Um, So I thought you'd hope that we've, got some insights yes on, if on nothing else if yeah, nothing yeah. else we've had some insights that we could share with all of our listeners um so maybe let's start with with you what do you think you've learned through all those changes that you think can help people so I was reflecting on all of the different roles I've had over the last 15 16 years and one of the job moves that I made that really stands out is where I actually moved sideways so at the time that felt quite difficult I was in a position where my job had been made redundant and lots of the job moves that I'd made previously, actually all of the job moves I'd made previously had always been promotions. Mm. So every time I got a new job, I was always moving um, upwards in a sort of hierarchical, the next step of the ladder, not very squiggly. (laughs) Yeah, very old school, very counter to everything that we talk about uh, way. So I wasn't really living the dream at the time, uh, it's fair to say. And actually, because this sideways move was forced on me, it wasn't something that I'd sought out. It wasn't really something that I'd thought about. But genuinely, when I look back in hindsight, it's the best career move I ever made because it led to so many positive things for me. Albeit, I probably hadn't got the maturity or foresight at the time to see the art of the possible. So hopefully by talking a bit about it, it will help everybody else to feel a bit more comfortable with making a sideways move. Because I do think there's just some negative connotations with moving sideways. Maybe it's the word, maybe it's just how job moves are perceived. It feels like you should always, I don't know, be earning more money or have a better job title. Yeah, and I think our careers are going to be so long. Like, I don't want to depress everybody listening with how long we're going to be working for. But I don't think it's sustainable to think that you're always going to move upwards. Even even if you are the most ambitious person in the world you want to get to the very top, if you're always going to move upwards, you're probably going to get there really quick. And then what do you do? And, And I think more and more we're going to have more sideways roles. I think some things that you said there are really interesting as well in terms of the the challenge that represented for you because it was a change that was forced on you. That's probably a reality for lots of people. It was a sideways move, full stop, rather than just a a progression. But it also was a sideways move outside of the kind of core area that you've been working in. So it's like challenge on challenge on challenge. Do you think as well as being open, you know, kind of growth mindset way to 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 moving sideways, do you think having like a support structure around you, people that you can talk to around that is, is also helpful if people are in the same the same boat? Yeah, I think what, what reassured me at the time was I had a brilliant leader who I worked for and I was going to work for another brilliant leader. So I was surrounded by a couple of people who, you know, had probably got the experience to understand that actually 
going to do something outside of your comfort zone would mean that I would um, grow in terms of my capabilities. I would learn from people with very different backgrounds and experience. And actually, if I wanted to fulfill uh, my ambitions, actually, that's that's exactly the sort of thing that I needed to do. And a lot of the skills um, and behaviours that I had were actually very transferable and useful for the department that I was going to. Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a bit of um, a value quid pro quo in terms of I could take a load of stuff with me. And I knew that uh, actually once I was in the role, I could see I was going to gain a lot as well. I mean, it was also tough. And I remember talking to you about it at the time. So Mm -hmm. when you, like you say, there are so many challenges simultaneously and it's change happening to you rather than change that you've initiated that the first six months I just thought this is a disaster I'm failing because you've got such a steep learning curve yeah and the biggest mistake actually I've made during that six months is because I'm a natural introvert when I feel under pressure I tend to get more and more introverted and so I was I was almost a bit like one of the you know the kind of the swan analogy of you yeah. sort of seem like you're doing okay and underneath oh I was so frantic I was just like this is a, this is awful I don't know anything uh, everyone so must think funny I'm we approach that so differently because I'd just be like ah it's a nightmare and telling anyone who could listen and you'd just be like yeah I'm just gonna keep it to myself and be like a swan yeah and I think then it was really interesting I got to the point where I felt oh this is not sustainable I'm not sure this mm. has been a good move. And I had a conversation with my boss about it. So I finally got up the confidence to have that conversation, which it must be really, really bad because for me to be, to have that conversation, things have to get really bad. And I said to her, look, you know, I don't feel this 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 move has necessarily worked. You know, what what's your point of view? Maybe we need to talk about me doing something differently. And I was so shocked because her feedback was, I don't know what you're talking about. You're doing brilliantly. Um, <laughs> you know, there's loads to learn, but you're getting your head around it. You're already adding lots of value. You know, it was just fascinating. Yeah, and probably a theme for us to do, maybe in a different podcast, about actually that first six months in a job. Yeah. And maybe the feelings you have, all that kind of stuff. So um, going back to new jobs then and successfully kind of finding new jobs, as well as being open to that new job being a sideways move, any any other tips that you've picked up? I think so. I've been looking for a job recently. I've just got myself a new job. So it's it's very kind of fresh in my mind at the moment. One of the things that I think is the most helpful when you're looking for a new job is to know what your career must-haves are. And career must-haves are the things that are really important to you in terms of what motivate and drive you and keep you happy day in, day out. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to put the emphasis on that must-have word because there's loads of things that we'd all love to have. There's a big, long list of those things, but there are probably only, I don't know, two, three, four things where you just know they are so essential to keeping you happy and driven and mean you can get up every day and and look forward to going to work that they're the things that you need to know what they are I think before you start your job search and then actually this time round, I found that I've been um, actually talking about those things as part of the interview process so not necessarily calling them my career must-haves but actually being very honest and authentic and transparent with potential employers about the value that I can offer and also what I'm looking for in return. So one of the things that's really important to me in any role is to have flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that's flexibility both in terms of the number of days that I work, but also how I work and the time that I work, the location where I work. I've talked to lots of employers about that. And do you know what? For some employers, they've then said, well, actually, if that's really important to you, we're not sure we can offer it. So ultimately, though, that can feel hard. You know that that's probably not the right organisation for you. 
And actually, for the first time ever, a couple of weeks ago, I actually was offered a job that I then turned down. And I find that really weird because I feel like when you go for a job as the individual, you're the one who's often almost like, oh, please give me a job. And it almost feels like all of the power, I guess, is with the organisation. But I think you do have to remember that it's it's you that then has got to go to work and, and do that job. And so it's absolutely fine to say thanks, but no thanks to a role. And this role that I said no to, um, you know, I talked about wanting to work flexibly. They said they thought it was a possibility. The job sounded brilliant. The, I really liked the people. But ultimately, they came back to me and said, we'd like you to do the job, but we'd like you to do it five days a week. And I just know that's not going to work for me. Yeah. So I did have to turn it down. And that felt, um, in the moment, quite a tough thing to do because you feel like you're being offered something really positive. But then you know that five minutes later, when you reflect on why you said no, because you've been so clear about your career must-haves, it's the right decision. And I think yeah. that's um, really important for everyone to have a think about. And I think the the, the aspects of that that people will need to to really do I think the first thing is you've got to do a bit of reflection you've got to make time for that about what are your must-haves what's really really important to you and not and not judge it you know if it's salary fine if it's yeah brands that you want to work with it's it's your must-haves it's kind of what's important to you then I think you've got to be really confident so you might want to practice talking about those things maybe not don't make it the first time you talk about it in the interview so that you can say it in a a natural way not I want this this and this um, yeah yeah but find a way to, to say that so it feels authentic and then I think I can't quite think what the word is but you've got to stick to it so yes yeah you do because I think it'll be tempting you know that job might have ticked so many other boxes for you that you could have gone oh maybe I'll just maybe do I'll it for just, a bit yeah maybe it'll be okay but ultimately that's that's you kind of pretending to be that person that they want, but it's not you really being authentic to what makes you have a happy career. And I think over time that that shows and then you just end up not being your best self at work, which means I think you can't do your best work. So I would say that the, the insight, the confidence and then the stick with it once you've got to that point is is going to probably make you have some hard decisions, but they're going to be the right decisions ultimately. Yeah. The one thing I'd add to that on the career must-haves that I've always found really useful is once you know what you think yours might be, share them with somebody you really trust. So Mm -hmm. you know what mine are, I know what yours are. And each time we've looked for a job, we're quite good at helping with that last point on sticking to it. So if anything like shiny comes along (laughs) that we we get a bit attracted to... And then, you know, one of us will actually, let's say I got attracted to a role where there wasn't going to be any flexibility. And I was trying to ignore that. I just know that you would call me on it and say, oh, but isn't that one of your career must-haves? Isn't that really important to you? How's that going to work? Yeah, and it, that is really, really So important. just, if you can find someone to share it with, can be, you know, your partner, a friend, family, um, whoever whoever kind of works for you. But somebody else knowing your career must-haves is also quite helpful on the uh, sticking to it point. Yeah, agreed. And also, just telling them in the first place is quite a good practice for the, before that yeah, interview. Yeah, that's true, that's true. Interview process. 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So that's a couple of my experiences. What about you with all your various different roles over the last sort of few years? What what good advice have you got for people? I'm trying to I'm just boil it down to just a couple and not just telling people <laughs> about my career in the last couple of years. I think um, maybe this some of the stuff that's the most poignant. I think not getting a job um, is quite a poignant thing that's happened to me when I've gone for one and the learning I've I've taken from that. So um, back quite a while ago in my career, I applied for a job within the company that I was in. I was right. in kind of a marketing sort of project manager role and I wanted to go into Insight, which is something I'm quite passionate about. But I really hadn't shared that that was something I was quite passionate about. I just applied. It was a job on an internal jobs board. Um, I just applied for it. I didn't contact the manager in advance. I hadn't got this on my development plan. I literally just went, right. oh, that sounds cold, like a Cold job. call then, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That cold, exactly. And that's that's a really good way of putting it, I think. It was like, you know a cold call application and we all know that that's not the best way to be successful, but that's what I did. And... Um, I, once I'd applied, I didn't get the job basically. And I think for the day I didn't get the job, I didn't get a lot of um, feedback on why I didn't get the job, probably because they didn't know me enough to give me lots of feedback. And I was kind of, um, just, I was a bit, I was a bit upset, a bit annoyed, kind of feeling that sense of rejection. I didn't really understand it. I was like, I'm perfect for this job. How dare um, they? How dare they not give know, you a how job? How dare they not take me for this, <laughs> this job? And then um, a director at the time that I was sort of being mentored by had said to me that, you know, I'd actually been approaching the the job process all wrong, which, you know, on, on hindsight, I would, pro- I would probably say this to someone else now. But at the time I said, you're approaching it all wrong. You want to put yourself in a position where the jobs come to you. I remember sitting there and thinking... That's really interesting advice, but you're really, really senior. You've you've probably got yeah. a really good network. That's really easy for you. But it, you know, sometimes those sore those sore bits of feedback they do yeah. stick with you. And it's and I definitely reflected on what was meant by that. Well, how could the jobs come to you? That sounds like a perfect situation. How how would I do that? And this might mean things to different people, but what it meant to me was okay. How can I make sure that people in the areas that I'm interested in know that I'm interested in them and know yep. that I'm good at them and I'm maybe exploring all these things in advance of when I need them so that if when they have an opportunity and if they do have an opportunity I'm already in their mind and I think what that's meant is that I'm much more open about some of the roles that I now explore so I I will I'll always kind of be thinking, where do I want to go in the next 12, 18 months? What might those opportunities look like? I mean, amazing if we call them, you know, those career possibilities. Yeah. And I'm always exploring them, not because I want a job right now. And I don't know when that might be, but I will explore them to find out a bit more about the job, to understand if I've got a good skills match or maybe I've got some gaps to understand who are the people that might have those roles for me in the future. And it has really transformed the way that I take on new jobs basically because the jobs now do come to me and it isn't a seniority thing at all it's just because I have nurtured my career possibilities well in advance of when I actually might want to change. Yeah and I think there's something really important that you said there around talking to people about what it is you're interested in and it it does sound cheesy and and no doubt we will have various different cheesy moments in these podcasts Mm. but that whole thing of you have got to help other people help you 
Yeah. Which does just always sound like a quote from Jerry Maguire. <laughs> help me, help you. But I do think it's really true. People actually really, in the main, really like helping other people with their careers and they they want to see you succeed and be happy. But they can only do that if they know what that might look like. And so, you know, you can be very exploratory in these conversations. You don't need to turn up and talk to people about jobs all of the time. You can just build relationships in the areas that you're interested in. And then it's amazing how, like you say, something just comes up and someone just mentions, oh, I think I think Helen might be interested in that because she's had a few chats with me about wanting to learn more about brand marketing or, or whatever it might be. And then suddenly your name is being talked about when you're not in the room. Yeah, um, I- and that's really valuable. I also think it helps you reduce kind of career mismatch. And what I mean by that is when yeah. that shiny object job that you apply for, you accept, you 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 start, and then you're, you're kind of in a situation where you're going, oh, this isn't what I thought it might be. Those exploration questions and conversations with people in those roles already, people who might manage people in those roles, give you some insight that, you know, before you apply for a job that you can say, actually, is this going to be right for me? Or does this just not feel like a role in industry and organisation that I would I would want to work for rather than that being, you know, a couple of couple of weeks down the road when you've when you're actually in the company. Yeah, and I think so uh, so many jobs are uh, you know can be you can perceive them to be one thing and then yeah. when you really get into the detail of them they're actually something very different. Um, and I remember some, you know we both work in marketing and marketing is a huge discipline with loads of different areas you can work in. And I remember really thinking I wanted to work in certain parts of marketing and actually um, went and did almost like a bit of work experience with a few people working in those areas and realised really quickly I definitely <laughs> did not want to go and work in those areas. They they looked really glamorous on the surface, but actually underneath in terms of the content of what they were doing, um, it potentially was still glamorous, but it certainly wasn't right for me. Yeah. And actually because I'd um, gone and spoken to those people and just said, oh, would you mind if I come and shadow you for one day? Or could you just talk me through like your typical day in the life of while you do this job? Um, most people are happy to oblige and to help you out with those things. And it just starts to give you small insights into, is that how you'd like to be spending your time? Yeah. And if it potentially is, then you explore it in more and more depth over time. And if it isn't, you can kind of say, well, brilliant, it's interesting, but it's not something I want to be doing mm-hmm. as my next role. And I think those conversations are also part of my next, I guess my next tip and my next reflection from my own career in that, If you're thinking about a new job, sometimes the easiest thing to do, and I have done it several times, is to leave your organisation for that shiny object that's outside of the organisation because it's maybe fewer conversations. You've not got all the internal politics and (laughs) hoops about levels and all that. It just sometimes feels easier. It's hard as well, isn't it? It's hard to get promoted internally, I think, versus externally. I actually think it's quite an interesting thing, probably not for this podcast, but that that thought that's about like, why is that? Might, yeah, yeah, leave externally because it seems easier. That's not the right thing for organisations, but we'll we'll leave that one for another day. The if for the individual, if you're looking and it does seem that it's easier outside the organisation, which it may well be, what I would encourage, and my own reflection on this is, it would encourage you to have more conversations internally about what you're looking for in terms of a role and it might it might still have the same outcome you might still apply for an external role and leave but I think if you're going to leave anyway what's the harm in talking to people and saying these are the things that I'm really good at this is where I think it can add the most value for you in the business in the next six to 12 months I'm really interested in opportunities in this space um 
But if these don't exist, it is, you know, I am bringing it to your kind of awareness that I will be looking for those things externally. I mean, you're going to do that anyway. I think it's just much better to be transparent. At least you are giving the organisation an opportunity to retain you and, and create that opportunity for you. And I've had my last couple of roles have kind of come to me and I've crafted them in some way because actually the, the, the job on paper hasn't quite been perfect for me, but I've been able to articulate that this is what I'm good at. This is how I think it can add value for you thing. Um, and so it's meant that they can shape them a little bit more. And it has definitely stopped me looking at external roles because I felt that I can get more fulfillment from this sort of Helen crafted role in, in the company that I'm in. And I also think that's so indicative of the squiggly career thing. I think as we all um, start to do new and different roles, it's very difficult to anticipate what your exact job's going to be or even your job title's going to be in a couple of years' time. You know, three or four of the jobs I've done in the last 10 years didn't exist prior to me doing them. Mm. So how, how, how could I have anticipated that was what I would like to do? I couldn't have pointed to a job and said, oh, that's that's where I'd like to go. But what I could do was talk about you know, the things that I like spending my time on, where my strengths were, where I felt I added the most value. And I think job specs are actually really underrated and underutilized. So they're often things that you do really quickly if you're a manager, because you just want to get it out there, you want to get your job advertised. But actually taking the time to think for yourself, what would I actually want my job to contain? Like write yourself a fake job spec. I think that's Mm -hmm. a really helpful exercise. I know that's something we've both done in the past where you, yeah, have a look around, and actually think about if I was just making up a job that I really wanted to do, what would that look like? Because yeah. actually it's not, you know, it's not unfeasible that that might, might be a job in the next couple of years. And it's not infeasible that you could just create that. I think it's just a mature conversation to have with a manager. I mean, I think maybe you do need to have it with a slightly more enlightened manager. Um, so I think that's yeah, probably yeah. a factor. I've, I've been lucky that I have worked and do work for some, you know, that kind of manager um but there'll be people in the organization that maybe it's a a sponsor or a mentor or somebody in hr that you can have those conversations with but i do think it's really really important to be transparent about what where you think you can add the most value that's that's how it resonates with the organization if you're coming at it saying this is what i i'm really good at and what i want to do you kind of go well maybe that's not your job but if you're saying if you found a way to connect that to where it creates the most value for the organization it puts you in a much stronger position it might not be 100 percent of your job but then you can say look can i spend maybe 20 percent of my time one yeah, day a week exactly. working on this area because and show you how i think this can be additive for the team or the business think that's how you can start putting more of that energy into your role and who knows it might it might grow and grow or it might just be 20 percent. but it's it might be better than how it looks for yeah. you at the moment and actually interestingly just to close off that point as a leader I was always and continue to be I am always disappointed if somebody resigns and I didn't see it coming or I didn't know that that might yeah, be a possibility too. I I want you know, the people who I work with to have the confidence and transparency to be able to talk to me if they aren't happy, if they're looking for a move, if they want to do something different, because then I I have the opportunity to try and support making that happen in the organisation because the majority of the time you want to keep that person and sometimes you can't, yeah, that's life, sometimes it's not realistic. And so then if that person then says, oh, you know, I have found something else brilliant elsewhere, you're then thinking, well, it's a shame because I would love to 
to have kept you, but you know, brilliant. I'm I'm really happy for you. That's great. I'm always kind of really disappointed or frustrated when someone I I didn't know was unhappy or didn't yeah. feel like they could chat to you about it. And I always think, you know, think of it both if you're leading teams or working with people try and create that environment where people can have these conversations um, and feel that that's okay. Because, you know, that's the world that we live in. In these squiggly worlds, we're going to have so many jobs. You're going to leave companies. You're going to come back to companies that actually this is just a, a fact of life. And I think everyone who has adult grown-up conversations should be absolutely fine with it. Yeah. Should we move on to some top tips? Yeah, let's do that. You go first. Okay, I've got two top tips okay. um, for uh, jobs, for finding new jobs. First top tip is find a person who knows you well and who's going to ask you those awkward questions. Mm-hmm. So this goes back to that career must-haves point of when you're going through the job process, um, very easy to get distracted by those shiny objects and sometimes those things that are not the things that are going to make us happy. And just make sure that person is that person who I think awkward is a, is a really key point here. They're not just going to say, oh, that's amazing. If I ask my mum anything about any job, she's just like, I'm so proud. You're brilliant. And she's like the most supportive person ever. But she would never, ever ask me a really awkward question. You would ask me an awkward question. So no, so it needs to be I someone who knows you really well. I th- yeah, I think so. I think so. Someone you trust and someone who knows you well and what's important to you. Um, so that's my first one. And my second one actually is almost the opposite to what we've been talking about in terms of new jobs. I think um, sometimes people who maybe have been in organisations for a while or in a job for a while feel pressure to get a new job, even if they, you know, not necessarily are looking for one. And I had some brilliant advice about 10 years ago from a very senior chief executive who said to me about looking for jobs. If you're happy and you're learning, keep going. Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you always need to be moving jobs or moving companies. If you can tick those two boxes, you are doing pretty well and actually, you know, absorb and really make the most of what you're currently doing and the right things will come along. So um, never feel that pressure to, oh, you know, I've been in a job for two years, I must go and get a new job or I've been in a company Mm. 10 years, I must go and get a new job. I think careers come in so many different shapes and sizes now. It it just doesn't matter. As long as you're happy and you're learning, you're absolutely fine. I love that. Um... My my, I guess my first tip is very it's very practical. Maybe not quite as uh, as quite profound as that one, but oh, it's shame, about, shame. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, the first thing is about. I think sometimes you might think you want a new job, but you might not know what it quite is or what the perfect job might look like. We've talked about this a little bit. Maybe you know writing your own perfect job. I think a really good source of inspiration for that is um, looking at something like LinkedIn. And they've got um, an app where you can scroll through and save all the jobs. And what I would do and what I have done is do a couple of search criteria for whatever, maybe some of your must-haves, your area or, or, or job titles, whatever that looks like for you. And then just save the ones that feel they they bring you some kind of energy. It doesn't matter whether it's the job description or the title or the company, whatever it is, don't, don't kind of judge it too much. Just save the ones that you think... Oh, that sounds really exciting and then print them out or look at them on your phone and try to draw out the consistent themes across you know maybe up to 10 jobs that you've saved try and draw the consistent themes out across them that excite you and in those themes are the insights that you can use to craft a new role to speak to your manager to speak to HR it can just help you to be a little bit more specific about what it is you're looking for you can do it you know you can cut things out of papers if you want to be retro but I you know I think LinkedIn is <laughs> quite an easy it's an yeah. easy way they've got loads of jobs on there and it's just a really good source for you just trying to get that insight about what you want to do next where where's your energy for a new role great um, um my second one is about just to that when I talked earlier about the career possibilities and exploring and making the jobs come to you 
that really works well if you just make that part of kind of how, how you go about managing your career. So it's almost just part of how you do networking. When you're building your network and you're talking to people, you can use that. Um, I'm going to explore this career possibility. Here's one person that I can do it with. You can just use that as part of your networking approach. So it doesn't need to feel like it's this this project that you need to put in your diary. Just Just make it part of how you do work. I constantly think about you know, what areas am I interested in? Who can I explore that with? It's not because I'm looking for a job. It's just because I know that career exploration is a way of gaining lots of information and meeting new people. And that will be fruitful in the future. And I don't plan for it. It's just now become a habit. You might need in the start to put some conscious time aside to do it. So what's my career possibility? I'm going to spend an hour a month talking to one new person to explore it. But over time, Try just to make it part of how you manage your career, constantly exploring and talking to people and getting insight and talking about what you're great at. Brilliant. So on that point, if people want to start to absorb themselves in thinking a bit more about a new job, any resources Hmm. that you'd recommend? Um, yeah, there's a couple that I found really useful. Um, hopefully you will you will too if you're listening. The first is a really good book called um, The Startup of You. It's by Reid Hoffman, who coincidentally, given I've just talked about LinkedIn, is, is, is the co-founder of LinkedIn. It's a, it's a relatively easy read, but it's a really good read. Is If you're trying to work out what you're great at, um, it's got a lot of tips in there to help you articulate that. So um, really, really good book for getting some kind of reflection on yourself. Um, if you're definitely already in the mode of I want to do something new um, and you want maybe some just different ideas, I think Escape the City is a really good source for that. They actually have quite a lot of different networking meetings on things like Eventbrite. But if you head to the Escape the City website, that might give you some inspiration. They have yeah, very different jobs, zookeepers to from, you know, accountants going to zookeepers, all kinds of different things. <laughs> uh, and then um, last thing I would say, um, Glassdoor is a really good website. So Glassdoor has employees reviews of the companies that they work in and I think when we were talking earlier about mismatch about what you think a company might be like and then you get there I think Glassdoor if you've not already got some contacts in those companies you might be looking at it's your hidden route into what does it feel like to work in those companies what do people who work there and people who have left that company honestly think about the environment culture career progression all that kind of stuff that's kind of like little magic magic insight. I think some companies are on there some companies are not Um, I think it's slightly more used in the US but certainly there are lots of companies in the UK and around the world that that are on there so it's always just worth a quick look it's just interesting Mm -hmm. so what's next for people then and what's next for our podcast so next week we're going to move on to um, a very hot topic how to manage your time Mm. so I think the most common question that you and I both get asked is um how do you fit it all in? How do you find the time to do all of the various weird and wonderful things that we both seem to do together? Um, I actually met someone the other day who had just seen you before talking to me and they said that they've never actually seen the two of us together. And he, he was like, I'm, I'm never sure whether like, does does you just not appear like, you know, is you just basically one person. Um, so I reassured him that we weren't. So that's not how we manage our time. Um, but it did make me laugh. So yeah, we're going to be talking a bit about, you know, how to be efficient, be effective, and just to think think about your time, I guess, mindfully. Um, so hopefully something that lots of people will be interested in. Yeah, We would love for you to give us feedback about the podcast. We really do want to make it relevant um, and interesting for all of our listeners. So um, if you've got ideas for future episodes, please get on Twitter, tell us what they are, at amazing underscore if, or give us any feedback that you've got. You can follow us on Instagram and you can get in touch over email at uh, getintouch at amazingif.com. 
And so that's it for this week. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.